Hey everyone, it is episode 348 of Follow Me. No, it's not. It's 348 of This Is Whole Life, and we're talking about Follow Me. This is part two, the response, and you know, Ken's not here. Ken's not here. Jeff's not here. Jeff's not here. How, how in the world? <laughs> how in the world? Uh, they left us unattended <laughs> to do this podcast. Was that a good idea? I'm and sure. I'm looking at the clock. It is Tuesday. It is 6.04 p.m. <laughs> um, last week was a church staff retreat, uh-huh. and it felt kind of like a retreat because we were all together. Uh, I don't know. It was a little more staff than retreat. But it was a, yeah, it was a little more yeah. staff. And so, <laughs> you know, Steph, uh, Stephanie, why did I just call you Stephanie? I don't know. So Stephanie and I, uh, who she's Melanie's <laughs> alter ego, apparently. Um, you know, I always say I'll answer to anything close. I guess that's close enough. Close enough. So well, the things that we take care of for both of us are a lot of weekly things, like things that need to happen within a time frame. And mm-hmm. I know that both of us got back on Friday and we're just like, <laughs> wow, what do we absolutely have to get done to make <laughs> yes. to make Sabbath happen? Like what and is how that? much sleep is actually <laughs> necessary, necessary to be able to function? <laughs> <clears throat> the coffee to sleep ratio um, was really was really at an all time high over the last couple of days, and, and yet not high enough. And not high enough because today it, it can't, like oh we're going to do it in a little bit. We're going to do it in a little bit. We're going to do it in a little bit, and then pretty soon it's like it's six o'clock, yeah. and we haven't sat down to do this yet. So well, here we are now. So so this week we were talking about this was the response part two, and we were talking about Bartimaeus, which is not a name that's easy to pronounce. It's not easy to spell, nope. and I don't know. I can't remember the last time that I've either read the account or, and I certainly don't know, I'm not even sure I've ever heard anybody preach specifically with him as kind of the center of the message. I mean, if I have, I can't remember that. Now, Ken started out his whole message, and it was a, a, a little bit funny, and I'm and Ken's not here to answer, but I'm hoping that maybe Ken will send a message in, and so we'll answer it next, we'll let him answer <laughs> yeah. it next week. So, Ken, if you could text your answer to, oh. was the story of the Europe trip with the pastors that, you know, like, didn't seem very inviting? It seems more and more like you were, you were trying to, like, slip in the velvet sledgehammer there, and, you know, you didn't go into it very deep, but... Is this the way it's going to be as we're traveling along? I mean, you know, we talk a lot about family here, mm. but as we travel the way, as you mentioned many times uh, in the message, which I'm sorry, just had me going Mandalorian every time you said it in the message because <laughs> this is the this way. Is the way. <laughs> but I, I couldn't, I couldn't get past that, and that's probably not a good thing in church. I should have been thinking, Jesus is the way. I, I don't know. I, I, I think that there are some interesting connections in lots of different places. So well, <laughs> we'll, we'll just go with it. We'll just go with that. I like that. And so, you know, is this a, a sign of things that, you know, it, there might be a lot of people on that small path that you kept mentioning that, you know, so like we're in tight quarters, people don't smell good, we don't smell good. Like, is this what we're, is this what the journey in the way is like? Somebody wants the window down, somebody wants, wants the it heater up. up. Yes, I don't, yeah, I'm having flashbacks to my own, uh, my own travels when I was a kid traveling across country with my parents and uh, my little brother who <laughs> I would not stay on his side of the car. So oh, no. I don't know. I think anytime you're traveling with, with other people, you, you get to know them in a way that maybe you didn't know them before, you know? And there's maybe some appreciations. There are some appreciations. And I think, I mean, one of the things that Ken pointed out was he wasn't excited about going on this trip because he had some preconceived notions about That's the people true. he was traveling with. 
But once he spent time with the people, got to know them and realized, hey, these people are actually pretty fun. I think that happens to us also, you know, whenever we're traveling with with people that um, some of those preconceived notions start to melt away and fall off. And then all of a sudden, here we are just with other people, you know, and we're all headed in the same direction. And you realize what your tolerance is. And where your like your your love and tolerance teeter totter, like where does it go? Like, were you allowed to roll windows down when you went on family road trips? Well, because it's like really no, remember. no, keep it. If you're on the interstate, you got to keep them up because it's too loud. It's, yeah, well, you know, it's too loud. Okay, this we didn't have air conditioning, Randy. So I don't sometimes know. Sometimes we just rolled the windows down. I don't think we did either. So I, I think it was just suffer. <laughs> back in the olden days, uh, yeah. we just hitched up the horses and, and, and uh, you were fresh air the whole <laughs> way. <right. laughs> I like that, and the reason I brought it up was because I feel like those were exactly what you just described. Is so much of what we put on ourselves too. Mm-hmm. But on other people, like we're like, oh, we love people, and mm-hmm. then you get a, you get immersed in this group of people, and you're like, man, I really don't love people as much <laughs> as I thought I did, or this is hard to love people, and not to say that it's supposed to be easy, but I thought that was an interesting because Ken mentioned that trip, and then at the end of his message, he mess he. Um, talked about another trip mm-hmm. to California, I believe it was, mm-hmm. to visit Rochelle's family at Christmas. Yes. And reminding us that the journey to get there can be beautiful as well. Now, I didn't see those two stories really matching up. Um, but I think by the end, once we've learned and we've spent time following in the way, we're supposed to pick those up. That's what I, well, I think. Those, I think those two stories, I mean, they, they bookended Ken's message. And I think they also bookend in terms of um, of the journey also because there's kind of the pre journey and then there's the experience with maybe the tour guide. But then at the very end, you know, you have this, this other perspective about, wow, you know, look at this process that we've been through with the people that we've been uh, with and it provides new perspective. Yeah. And I I wouldn't discount the new perspective because I think we all grow. Mm -hmm. And as we grow in our relationship with with Jesus and with each other, you do look at people differently when your your preconceptions are like, man, I was either – and you could even be straight on. You could have been like, I called it. That's what it (laughs) is. But at the same time, when you see other parts to them that you didn't know and then that piece fits together, you're like, man, that really makes a pretty well-rounded individual – and I can totally see why they're that way. And I appreciate it because now I know this other piece. Right. And I, I found over time that those are some of the cool pieces where you just have to smile at yourself and you're like, yep, you really thought you know what you were talking about. <laughs> well, not only that, but I mean, throughout this process, when, when we, whenever you travel together with people, you change and the other people change. And it's this sort of moving and growing thing. And I think it's important not to try to make people stay in the box in which we first found which them. Which we put them in, yeah. Right, yeah, because because people need space to flourish and grow just like we need space to flourish and grow. And we have to respect the fact that, you know, who you were 10 years ago is not who you are now. And it may not be who you are five years from now, but throughout this journey, you know, there's, there's this give and take and this learning and growing together. Mm, that's beautiful. So tell me a little bit about Bartimaeus. I mean, he, you know, he's sitting beside the road. He's screaming out for healing because he's asking for what he wants. You can almost hear it. You can almost mm-hmm. feel it, sense it. 
how uncomfortable that makes certain people, probably the disciples. Mm-hmm. Well, of course the disciples that tells us that. And I wonder at those times, it's like, like what's Jesus thinking in his head? I mean, I think he knows what's going to happen, but he's, he, and he, I'm sure he's hearing other the the disciples' thoughts, maybe people around him, mm-hmm. and I often wondered how the how the noise and all those things how he filtered through, and how he made decisions to say, today this is the way we're going to handle this one. I have a theory about that. Do you? I'd love to I hear. Do. It. Um, and of course, this is all conjecture because oh. you know, I wasn't there. We didn't get to interview all the participants or anything like that, but. Throughout the story, you have people who are recognizing Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, Jesus of Nazareth is here. You know, Jesus of Nazareth is coming through. And Bartimaeus calls Jesus something else. He calls him son of David, which is a messianic designation. And I wonder if out of all the noise and out of all the the names that that Jesus was being called, if that that messianic designation, Mm. like, triggered his attention. Okay. You know, and so that's 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 my guess. I like it though. I, I hadn't thought about it in that way. So the other part, the one that I kind of drew a, a similar pattern to was the the woman who had been bleeding for twelve years, who mm-hmm. comes through the the crowd kind of in the same way, even though she can see she has a different problem, but she disfigures if I can touch him, and she catches the hem of his garment and is instantly healed. And it's kind of the same thing. Your faith has healed you. And then we're told that Bartimaeus follows. I, I, from what I read, it doesn't seem like we know how long, mm-hmm. for how far, or if it was a permanent, not permanent. And then for her, it's it's just an immediate thing, and then, and then we're done. But again, conjecture, I just like, well, what if she followed? Would, would that be something that was possible? Or is there anything similar in their stories that I'm – was just curious about if you saw any correlations be just for the fact that they both had such strong faith, like, wow, son of David, I need you to hear me. And I am going to mm-hmm. scream until you hear me and you heal me. And her just saying, if I touch it, I know that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know if she followed on down the road like Bartimaeus did, but, yeah. but it's a, it's a possibility because Jesus had a lot of different people who followed him in different places. But what I love about Bartimaeus and the woman with the issue of blood, which I don't know why she doesn't get a name. Yeah, Seems like why? maybe somebody could have asked, hey, by the way, I'm writing a book. <laughs> What's you your name? <laughs> but um, would it have mattered it if they just called her Alice? I mean, I, it just maybe. and gave her a name and then we wouldn't know the difference anyway. It's, it's true. I, I, I often wonder that. But what I, but like what that I love about Bartimaeus and Alice, I just went ahead and went with Alice. I hope I that's like okay. No, Alice, yeah. I like it. Bartimaeus like and Alice is that neither one of them let anybody get in the way mm. of them getting to Jesus. And sometimes, sometimes you've got to claw your way through all the people who are trying to get in your way and tell you whether or not you're supposed to get close to Jesus, you know, what that's supposed to look like, whether or not Jesus has time for you or whether or not Jesus accepts you. You know what? Claw your way through all of those people and get to God. Yeah. Don't let anybody else stand in your way. I think that's a, a the the thing about these two people is that they both had that persistence. And I don't know if it was faith or if it was desperation, but you know what? Either way, they made it to Jesus. And I love both of those stories because to me, there's nothing more helpless than 
I can't even imagine her condition and then his as well. I mean, you're just blind and who doesn't want to see. And I think maybe it's just the desperation and we don't like to think of ourselves being that desperate because well, I'm a functioning human being. I have a job. I have a family. I, you well, I think know. it's fair to say a lot, of, a lot of blind people are functioning human beings well, with jobs. And right. <laughs> so, but I, I understand what but you're I, saying. Yeah, that, that can't yeah, definitely. Thank you for, yeah. for that. I, cause I certainly wasn't insinuating that anyone isn't able to do a lot of things, sure. but in the instance of probably where he's at in that time, mm-hmm. There's not much for him to do. It's not like there are any people to help. And usually this is a sign of, you know, you must have done something probably horribly, horribly wrong that God's punishing you because of your blindness. Right. So in that sense, just being being at that place where there's only one other place to go and then to realize that it's that it's Jesus. That's a that's just a favorite theme or a between those two. And I guess that's why that triggered uh, this week when he told that story. Well, and I love. I love the twist there because, you know, there there was an instance when when some disciples were asking about a man born blind, and they said, "Well, who sinned, this guy or his right, parents?" His parents yeah. Right. So there there was this um, for a lot of I won't say this was everybody, but there were some people who believed if if there was something. Um, different about you than that was your punishment or that was your parents' punishment that landed on you. Mm. So, but Jesus, Jesus turned it around each time. That's pretty heavy when you think about it. Mm. I did like how he talked about Jesus movement was called the way and the people of the way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of cool. Like for once, could we just be like, could we just start calling ourselves that? Cause I think people of the way sounds really cool. I like it. And it's inviting, right? Like, Oh, what do you, where do you go to church? I'm I'm a, I'm a people of the way. Well, you know, so (laughs) so I'll just, uh, I'll just go all down all the little trails. All the trails. You see what I did there? Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. Um, We'll go down all the little trails. (laughs) But I mean, there is something about saying people of the way that implies movement. Mm. It implies Ah. process. It implies journey. It implies going somewhere. Whereas some other designations make it sound like you landed somewhere. And now you don't have any moving to do. And you don't have anywhere else to go. You're you're you've arrived. Intentionality. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. People of the way. We may have to. uh, Well, you know what? If you have an idea, if you think people of the way is is cool, bad, or indifferent, (laughs) send us a text four zero seven nine six five one six zero seven. I would love to hear. Let us know because I really did was like, man, people of the way that that, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And 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 actually, so I'll I'll point this out to you. Okay. The first time anybody was called a Christian was in Antioch. Okay. And it was not a flattering term. It was actually a derogatory term. It was a slur. It was a religious slur. Oh, man. Those Christians. And somehow over the past 2,000 <laughs> years, we have flipped that thing around and we wear it with, with much pride or something. And it actually was originally a um, not a term of endearment. Yeah. All right, so here's vote one for the uh, constituency meeting at Whole Life Church to change it to a you know people of the way. People of the way. Yes. <laughs> I really like that. Well, this was an interesting message, and in just that the invitation we've got the the call, we've got the response, and then we have to do something, mm-hmm. and we have to follow this way. We have to be on this path. We have to follow what Jesus is doing, and I really liked the the takeaway that Ken brought in because I was like, hmm, nothing really surprised me other than just, I wasn't that familiar with the story of Bartimaeus, Mm -hmm. but 
where he started talking about behaviors. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. now the Velvet Slam Sledgehammer <laughs> is out in full force because right. we're a Gracefield community and, you know, but always the other side of, oh, are you a once saved, always saved? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's watered down grace and mm-hmm. those kinds of feelings immediately start flooding as soon as you start talking about behavior. But in the best way possible, and I can't even believe I'm saying this, behavior matters a lot. And even though we are in the balance of the imperfection that we each know that we have, we all know what what trips us up. We all know where we could be so much better. Mm-hmm. And there's all places where you're like, man, that, I feel pretty good about this, but I'd still like to you know, put a little bit more shine over here or whatever it is. It's just parts you'd really like to man, I really like to, to emulate Jesus, you know, and then we look in the mirror and go, Oh, right. There's that other one over there too. But I, I just think that speaking of it in the way and people of the way makes it seem like that Jesus is really giving us a map for spending time with each other, mm-hmm. spending time with him. Like that's a duality. We're following him and we're following others that are maybe on a path similar to ours that we can see that maybe they have some of our same tendencies and go, man, they really came through this. I have someone I can talk to Mm -hmm. if it's okay. And if it's safe. And I'm like, how do we as a church balance that behavior without being so legalistic that we're just, you know, tying people up by the boots and going, well, like, here you are. We don't really Mm -hmm. want you to move because that's just going to mean more bad things that you're going to end up doing instead of going, you have to learn. We have to be able to be vulnerable, rely on each other. That's a tough place to be. And I don't know how, how we, how we do that. a tough place to be, especially for those of us who are perfectionists. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you. So I grew up in a household that was, was quite legalistic. And there was a lot of emphasis on behavior and, mm. and on not sinning, you know, yeah. being perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect. perfect. And then, of course, <laughs> I had to go to seminary to learn that that word perfect doesn't actually mean perfect. But we can talk about that another time. Do tell. Um, but throughout my life, I just always felt like I am never going to live up to this. Every every New Year's Eve, I'd be like, all right, this is the year I'm going to be perfect. And I would pray and I would wake up on January 1. And by the time I got downstairs, like, you know, somebody so- would have irritated me or I would have <laughs> something would happen. And I'd be like, no, I have to start over again next year. But it wasn't until I got much older and had to live through some really tough parts of life that I remember reading in Hebrews And there was a text that just stood out to me, and it said, By one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And it was like a whole paradigm shift for me because it was like, it was like, you know, Jesus saying, Hey, listen, you're really hung up on this perfect thing. So how about we do this? By my sacrifice, I have made you perfect forever. All right, there we go. That's out of the way. That's done. Now let's work on making you holy. Yeah. And and when we talk about holy in, in this way, it's not about, ooh, let's make you pious. No, it's about hel- helping us come to the place where we love the things that God loves and we hate the things that God lo- that God hates and we deeply care for the people that God loves. And, and it's a process whereby I'm not focused on behavior so much as I am on the surrender to the transformation of my character into mm. something that is in harmony with God's vision. That takes a lot of us a long time. Yeah, it does. Uh, to figure out that 
<laughs> like you said, that perfection part, like I already took care of it. So let's, let's do something you can do. Right. And, you know, and, and there was a, there's a meditation tool that, that, um, I, I find to be really helpful. Just kind of mentally, you know, at night, sort of mentally replaying your day mm. and thinking about the things that you were happy about and thinking about the things that you wish you had done differently. And instead of chastising yourself for the things that you wish you'd done differently or like, you know, groveling face down on the floor and saying, forgive me, I am such a worm, but just be like, hey, wow, you know, God, this thing that I did, I didn't, I didn't like that. That doesn't seem like you. Let's work on that. Yeah. Let's 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 work on that. And man, that's a <laughs> that sounds inviting. If you've ever been <laughs> someone who struggles, and I think we all struggle to a certain degree, especially with sin that we know has maybe had us for a while, mm-hmm. or it's just those tendencies that we have, and you're like, if I could just, I'd be so much happier. And and I know that that's also not true. Because the devil will throw something else at you. As soon as one of those seems to go away, you might get a week or two, a month, and you're like, man, I feel like that's kind of behind me. I'm not saying it's ever going to happen again, but you know, it, it happens to lesser degrees or it's a, it's a less volatile situation, whatever, the, whatever it works itself out as. And then, but then something else comes up. There's another life struggle that will be right around the corner that's going to take everything you've learned and it's going to put it to the test to an even greater degree than you've had before in some way, shape, or form. That's and why it's on the road, to, Randy. On the, not yeah. pit stop, not rest area. Yeah, I know. It's on the road. It's on the road and the path is narrow and all that good stuff. And there's <laughs> right. lots of us there and we all stink. No, that, uh, but yeah, I, I get it. I get it. And I, and I hope you just heard as I did what Melanie said. If not, like just use the the 30 second back button and go back three or four minutes and just listen to her realization. Because if that's something you're still struggling with, as most of us are, if you find that to be true and you can not only believe it, but internalize it and then work on it and say, oh yeah, I, let, let's, let's move past this. Let's do something else. It can give you a, a complete lift of weight when you first realize, like if you can tell someone, I can't wait to get to heaven, how do you know you're going to be there? Because I do. And, and that, that, right? I mean. Well, and can I just, can I just revise one tiny little thing? Uh-oh, because now she's going to, because you're, you're going to replay it. So now we have to make sure. Okay, that's cool. That's I'll revise cool. one tiny little thing in that you mentioned something about work on this. Yeah. And so I, I think what the tiny little shift that I would make is let God work on this. Yeah, because that's the whole point. Like this is a process by which we are being changed and transformed. It's not something that we can somehow do for ourselves. If we could, it would be done. right? If we could, some <laughs> of us would would be done. Well, well, I don't maybe, know. Yeah, yeah. maybe not all of us. Maybe not everybody. But it's the it's yeah. actually the process of surrender, 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 surrender. Ooh. It's not working hard, working hard, working hard. It's surrender, 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 and then be patient with yourself and be patient with God because God is in a process of doing something. His timing is not ours in (laughs) any way, shape, or form. That's a good. That's a good one, though. Just to to clarify that we're not here to work on. I mean, not that we're not aware of what our shortcomings are, and we can pray and we can be a part of that. But it's not going to be us pulling us up by our bootstraps that are going to make it work. Yeah, and like Ken said, it's those 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 things that that come up. They you can think of them as 
temperature, taking your temperature. Yeah. You know, oh, you know what? I might I might be a little sick because <laughs> I've got, I've got a fever. I've, I'm, this is experience. Yeah. So, I mean, those things are not um, – they can be like no. little indicators. Yeah. You know, indicators on your – what are those little dummy lights? They can be dummy lights. Oh, on your your, dashboard. Uh, well, yeah. they're idiot lights, is what I always yeah, told you. Lights. But on yeah. your dashboard. That's right. So they come, you, they're not always right. So but stuff pops up that you uh, do yeah. and you hate the thing. And But you know what? It's an idiot light. Yeah. That's what it is. It's an idiot light. Make sure that you know that it's only if God's putting the light on that do we have a problem. Lots of times we put lights on all over the place and go, pretty sure I feel, oh, that was nothing. Or okay. somebody else comes along and puts <laughs> the lights on for you. you. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I really enjoyed this message. And if you didn't catch it yet, please take the time to go back and catch the message. It was, I think it's one of Ken's shorter messages, to be mm-hmm. honest. It felt short. But it also felt like the 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 way was an invite was an invitation that was inviting. It, it was a, it was a good invitation and an invitation that I think will f- you'll find it will be really rewarding once everything new sometimes is just a little bit I'm not really sure. And then once you start or if you're already on that journey you're going yeah, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. So uh, please please don't miss that. And that I, again that was I hated even to say the word behavior to take us down that road, <laughs> but it really was what when he mentioned it I was I, I cringed a little bit, but then just looked at myself and said, "Man, I, I'm I'm really happy where I am compared to even 3 years ago, mm-hmm. 5 years ago. And 20 years ago you wouldn't even have known the same person existed because it, it didn't. I didn't. I'm totally different person in, in, in so many ways. And so then it's just, thank you, Lord, for not giving up on me. And he never does. And so we don't have to worry. All right. Questions and comments. Anonymous said, do you think there are times when we do forget though, that heaven is the destination as we get comfortable with life here? I think that was in response to Ken's, uh, Ken's comment that, um, he said, can I suggest to you that I love heaven, can't wait to get there, but that sometimes we're so focused on heaven that we're not actually watching Jesus's footsteps in front of us? Well, you know, I can I can appreciate that, but I'm not sure, so sure I'm very comfortable here. You know, I mean, yeah. I look around and I watch the news and I get sick and I, you know, there are just, you know, interpersonal things come up or just difficulties. And, and I don't know that that's necessarily comfortable for me. Yeah. So, I mean, are, are, are we comfortable or have we just gotten so used to, you know, like a, what, what do they have, frog in a frying pan or something. Yeah, it doesn't where, realize the heat. We're like, wait a minute. No, this actually isn't that comfortable, <laughs> you know. I don't know. That's that, that's just me. So uh, Anonymous has a different perspective, and that's totally cool. No, and he, uh, he uh, Stanley had asked, do, do you mean how it seems like people are trying to create perfect people here on earth? Like we're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, lay down the path, and here's the way, and here's what Jesus said. So the more we get that way, the more perfect we could possibly be if you want to look at that way. And Anonymous said yes, and that we at times are just living life here and not looking to heaven as our destination. We're just going through the motions. We're just here. So, you know, maybe we don't think about heaven enough and what is to come. 
And I guess there's a, uh, there's a, that's the teeter totter that you can sure. be on again, where I'm not watching where I'm going. <laughs> Heaven gets more and more distant. I haven't thought about it for a while. Or is that all I think about? And then pretty soon I find out that, you know, would I even be happy there? Because I really haven't been doing the things or be trying to become that person with Jesus help and growing together that would make me be happy there. Well, and I think teeter totter is a good word for it because we've got stuff to do here now. And for me, if I'm so focused on the end goal, yeah, I might miss the thing that's in front of me that I need to be doing mm. right now. Mm. Yeah, But that's just, I mean, that's just no, from my perspective. I yeah. think that's, well, and Monica kind of came into the conversation and said, I feel my passion for Jesus is constant, but can sometimes be on the back burner to my everyday life. Mm. What's the what's your best advice for not getting lost in the everyday? <laughs> and you know, and it, it's always and I, I hate it. To, I hate it because it's always the same advice: pray more, study your Bible more. But you know what I think it, and I, and I don't disagree with either of those. Yeah, for the for the record, that's not my answer. But go ahead and finish. <laughs> <laughs> I have a different one. Yeah, good. The but I think I I honestly think the older I've gotten. The answer to being not getting lost in the everyday, of course, is being in prayer because we need to, we need that connection, and your Bible's always helpful. But for me, it's the people around me that help keep me grounded and that help me, that are willing to share their struggles that make me re, that remind me that man, there's more to do. There's even whatever it is that I can do for God, which, you know, isn't a ton, but it's what I want to do. It's what I feel he's moving me to do. And I feel like when, when people come by us and they, they, they see the small pieces of Jesus in us, that's a big reminder. And then to have those people around you is huge. Mm -hmm. So what was your answer? Oh, just my answer, I think is, I, I think sometimes we draw a, a dividing line between, you know, like our Christianity or our, you know, our spirituality or our holiness or whatever, and engaging in day-to-day -day ordinary activities. And mm. I don't think there's such a big dividing line. Honestly, I think, I think those things are all intertwined. Oh, careful now. I mean, you <laughs> even, even in the tedium of your day, like I, I have this thing where I've told God, interrupt me whenever, sure. just interrupt me. I go about I go about my day. I'm not thinking throughout my day. I am going to do something powerful and make a difference today. I'm going to, you know, super be passionate. <laughs> but I find that God does interrupt me. Yeah. With just different moments, different people, and they don't ha they're they're not necessarily spectacular, but I think that God is in those moments. But that's permission too, right? You're giving God permission to do that. Right. I agree with you 100% that the chasm, if you will, between what is spiritual and what is secular, mm -hmm. the older I've gotten, the less I believe in that, in that the gap is really something you can't cross very easily. Mm -hmm. And I think when the closer you get to Jesus, the more spiritual you see in the secular. Mm -hmm. I, to me, I feel that way a lot. Agreed. And I'm not saying that you should just make, try to make anything holy or whatever, but I think that's, I think that's definitely something that... And so, okay, so we, we are running quickly out of time. How do we make sure Jesus is our guide and that we're not just listening to ourselves? <laughs> that's a question that we, uh, Stanley said, that's a question I ask myself a lot, Matt. So Matt, I, you know, I think that's the same thing. 
who are, are we allowing, like, like uh, Melanie just said, are we allowing Jesus to interrupt our day and put people in our path? That's a good way to know that you're listening to Jesus, because if you do that and people keep showing up, it's probably because you're asking Jesus and not yourself. Because And the fact that you're even asking that question means that you have an orientation toward Jesus, and I totally trust that God is going to honor that. She, you stole it. That was awesome. I think that was next. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Let's see. So that was it. Thanks, everyone, for sending in questions. I appreciate those. Hey, and we made it through. We made it through. And the the one thing that I wanted to um, I wanted to say is the uh, Ken had something I didn't want you to forget. He said, Jesus' call and accepting the call is just the beginning. Our response is to follow Jesus on a lifelong way that will transform us. Like the best of road trips, there is as much joy on the journey as there is in arriving at the destination. I love his optimism in that, that. especially when that journey is with someone you love. Now I like it even better. (laughs) Even better. So wait till the close. So this coming weekend, let's see, it's going to be the 4th of February. Yes. And special guest speaker. Do you know? Do you know the speaker? Ken I, knows I the have, speaker. Ken knows the speaker. I have met the speaker. I have oh. heard the speaker speak. Is he good? He's a very dynamic speaker. So I'm right. really looking forward to this. Furman Fordham. Furman Fordham. He's going to be preaching on I'm on my way to the Canaan land. Uh, promised land, Canaan land. Is yeah. it both? Well, yep. that's, that makes sense. Same, so same thing. Yep. that just means that we're still on the path. We are people of the way for one more week at least. Yep. <laughs> and so that's going to do it. I don't know if we're going to, I don't know what his schedule's like. And if maybe we have a special Saturday edition that we can catch him. We'll have to see. I'll have to talk to Ken. I think we're going to try to see if we can get him on the podcast. Ooh. Because I don't know where he's from or... He's from Nashville, actually. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) And you... All good people come from Nashville. See, and there's no one here to refute us. That's true. That's true. So anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Guys, thanks so much for listening and for sharing. You guys are awesome. Appreciate uh, hearing from you each and every week. And we look forward to catching up maybe with our guest speaker next week. So tune in and find out. Have a great week. <laughs>